Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Hebrews chapter 6, and we are going to read from verse 13 all the way down to verse 20. For when God promised to Abraham, because he could not swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. We are in God, willing more abundantly to show unto the ear of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who has fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor for the, of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enter into that within the veil. Without the forerunner is for us enter, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So there's quite a number of things we can unpack in that scripture that we read. But remember what we are doing at the moment, we are talking about covenant. Because it is essential for us to understand kingdom and to understand covenant. And it is essential for us to walk in the reality. Because one of the things that we have seen is that the concept of kingdom and the concept of covenant is foundational and is fundamental to the revelation of the scripture. And that this concept was there right at the beginning, that what God was doing in Genesis chapter 1 is establishing his kingdom. And that the God that was revealed to us in the very first few verses of the Bible is a God that makes covenant, is a covenant making, is a covenant keeping God. Now, one of the things we'll see in our teaching today is that the concept of covenant is actually quite universal. And we are going to see it in all sorts of, you know, a group of people in all sorts of religion, paganist religion and all those things. But we need to understand that these are reflecting, even though they have been, you know, uh, bastardized, even though they have been polluted, but these all are reflecting a concept that we found in God himself. Okay, the fact that those we see them in all these other religion and pagan and other culture, doesn't make them wrong. It just it doesn't make the concept itself wrong. It just means that they have polluted that concept because immediately we start talking about covenant. People only think about, you know, the paganistic world of things because that is usually where we hear and people talk about covenant. The truth is that the God that created the universe is a God of covenant. And we have seen that as we have read, and, and we are looking through the, 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 the reason why we know that this is the case, okay? We've looked at the name of God himself. The very name of God, Yahweh, is a covenant name. The subtle change from Elohim from the first stage of the book of Genesis to Elohim, Yahweh, in the second stage of Genesis, after the creation of human, after creation of the man and the woman, after the creation of God's vice regent, that subtle change actually tells us that God came into covenant with the human that he created. But even we went all the way back and we saw that actually when God created, God 
covenanted that from the word go, even in the act of creation, God was covenanting even with the physical world, physical things that God created. So we need to understand that, that this is very foundational. The concept of kingdom and the concept of covenant is at the heart of the revelation of God. God is king and God enters into covenant relationship with his people. Covenant defines and establishes the kingdom. The kingdom in its essence is, is an extended covenantal relationship. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's actually a, an extended covenant relationship because kingdom and covenant is about relationship. It's about God entry into relationship and entering into covenant with his people. The basic element of a covenant and the basic element of a kingdom are embedded in the Genesis account. They are essential bedrock upon which other consequent revelation of the Bible and other revelation of God are built. We need to understand that God is the source and originator of the entire concept of covenant and concept of kingdom. The phenomenon of covenant and the phenomenon of kingdom is 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 originated with God. God is the source, okay? What we see in culture and what we see in paganistic are being reflected there because it was in God in the first place. But unfortunately, for a, for the most part, a lot of this has been polluted. But that doesn't mean we should throw it away. It just means that we should redeem it. Okay. God included the covenant relationship in his creation activity and handwork. And one of the things we've been asking ourselves is that, can we find this concept of covenant in the Genesis narrative? And we said the answer is yes. We said the answer is yes. Okay, we have looked at the name of God that actually shows us that we have looked at the fact that when the word was then finally used in Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 9, it is clear that when the word was used with respect to Noah, that God was using it in a redemptive renewal of the original covenant. That actually shows us that actually what God was doing then was not starting something new. God was actually renewing a covenant that was there when God created human in the first place. And also, like I said, we saw when we went to Jeremiah chapter 33, that when God created, God covenanted. And that when God was creating the the universe, when God was creating the sun, when God was creating the moon, God was actually entering into covenant with them. And one of the things we have also done is to look at the words that were used for covenant. We look at the words beareth, which is the word that is used for covenant in the Old Testament. And it means to bind, to feather, to cut, to divide. A covenant refers to two or more parties bound together through the shedding of blood of sacrifice. That was what buried means, to bind, to feather, to cut or to divide. And the Greek word is diateke, and that primarily means property disposition and arrangement. It is made by one party with absolute power, which the second party may accept or reject, but the second party cannot alter it. We are going to say a little bit more on that when we begin to talk about the element of covenant. So this is the concept of will, this is the concept of testament. Will or testament is the most conspicuous example of such instrument, of such idea that we are talking about that diatechy brings to the table. This idea of disposing your property is the idea of will. 
is the idea of testament. And that is the word in Greek that we call testamentum. And this actually is the reason why our Bible is divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament, or we can set into the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Now, let's take a closer look at each one of these terms that I've mentioned, because uh, there's something here that is still deeper that I didn't touch the other time. So, buried means, like we said, buried means to bind, to feather, to cut, or to divide. That means that there are some idioms that when people talk about covenant, that you know, focus our mind to what is going on. For, for example, one of the idiom of buried is when we say that somebody caught a covenant. Now, that is the way they say it in those days. They caught a covenant. Other times that can be used is that they enter into a covenant, they establish a covenant, or they give a covenant, the word command, or to enter into a covenant. Those are other times that can be used with respect to the term buried. But the fundamental one is when people say, to cut a covenant. So that is the way you say it. Somebody cut a covenant. For example, Jeremiah chapter 39, verses 18 to 19, God said, I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant, which they had made before me, when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the paths thereof, the princes of Judah and the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs and the priests and all the people of the land, which passed between the paths of the calf. That is Jeremiah 32 from verses 18 and 19. You see the word cut, they cut a covenant. Why do we use that idiom, cut a covenant? Because that is what buried means. He said they pass between the part of the calf. Have that in mind because we are going to come back to that when we begin to look at the element of covenant in the ancient Near East and in the Bible. Other times that also stand for buried is to take hold of the robe or to give the hand. Can you remember that incident, that woman with the issue of blood, when she bent down to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus? You see, she was making a demand. That was a covenant action. So to take the hold of the robe or to give the hand is actually a covenant. For example, when we read Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23, thus said the Lord of hosts, that's Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nation, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. To take the hold of the skirt, to take the hold of the robe, is actually a term that talk about covenant. You remember Ruth, when the Ruth actually lift up the skirt of Boaz and asked Boaz to cover her, he, she, was, she was making a covenant demand. And we need to understand that when you say this term, that term is talking about covenant. The same way to give the hand. What do we say when people get married? They said, we give the hand of our daughter in marriage. To give the hand is actually another term for covenant. For example, Lamentation chapter 5 verse 6 says, We have given the hand to the Egyptian and to the Assyrian to be satisfied with bread. We have given the, in other words, we have entered into treaties 
with the Egyptians. We have entered into covenant with the Assyrians so that we can be satisfied with bread. Now we can talk about the wrongness or the rightness of them doing that. But the point here is for us to understand that these terms actually speak of covenant. And these are idioms and these are terms that are related to the Hebrew word for bereth that we talk about when we talk about covenant, to bind, to feather, to cut, to divide. So covenant in that sense refers to two or more parties that are bounded together through the shedding of the blood of sacrifice. There's a cut. There's a cut through which blood flows, the process of which covenant were made. So the Greek is diateke, the Latin is testamentum. And we said that this has to do with disposition of an inheritance. The disposition of an inheritance is the essence of a covenant. Now we need to understand that when we enter into a covenant, people benefit from each other's property. That's the point. There's things that are brought to the table when covenants are caught. But in all cases, the arrangement is unilaterally made. We need to understand that this arrangement is made by the stronger party, what we call the one with unqualified or absolute power. In, in a covenant, there will always be a party of that covenant that is stronger, that is more powerful. That is the reason why the lesser party enters into the covenant with the higher party in the first place. So we need to understand that this arrangement with respect to disposition of inheritance, is unilaterally made by the stronger of the party. Now, the lesser of the party can reject it, but they cannot modify it. And we need to understand that this disposition, this will, this testament is sealed by sacrifice or by death. It's just like if somebody made, you know, a will. That will only come into force by the death of the one who made the will or the one who wrote the will. And this is very, very important. And the recipient may not negotiate or alter the stipulation. So if I make a will that this is the way I want my property to be distributed, the beneficiary of that will cannot negotiate. They cannot alter the will. Now they can reject it. Say, he gave me the car, I don't want it, fair enough. But they cannot change the will. The will has been ratified by the death of the testator or by the death of the person whose will it is. It is unilaterally made that that individual, it is the individual's property. It decide or he or she decided who they want their property to go to. And it is only sealed by their death. And the benefactors, the recipient cannot negotiate. They cannot modify. They cannot alter the will. Now they can reject it, in which case they will not enjoy it, but they cannot alter it. So that is the understanding of the Greek word for covenant or the Latin word for covenant, which is testamentum. Praise the Lord. So when we look at this word that I use for covenant in all these languages, it actually helps us to understand something of what this word means. And it also helps us to understand the concept of covenant in the Bible. Now, what about the English word covenant? Does that help us? Yes, it does. Now, you need to understand that many of the words that we use in English are actually adapted from other languages like, like France or like French, sorry, or like, like Greek or like Latin. Many, many English words are adapted from Latin. So is this word covenant. 
the origin of the English word, remember I'm talking about the English word now, the origin of the English word covenant is actually Latin. The Latin origin of our English word covenant is convenir, convenir. What does that remind you of? It reminds you also of the English word to convene, to convene. So covenant in English Covenia in, 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 in Latin, and it means to convince. So it means the coming together. Remember, we are talking about the Latin origin of the English word covenant. Don't confuse it with what we've talked about before, about testamentum, which is the Latin parallel of the Greek diatheke. Now we are talking about our English word covenant. Our English word covenant find its origin in the Latin word covenia from where we also get the English words to convey, and it means the coming together. So the thought here is the coming together of two or more parties to make a contract, to enter into a treaty, to enter into an agreement, to enter into a privilege or responsibility. So the word, the English word covenant actually help us to understand that this is the coming together of parties to enter into contracts, treaties, agreement, promises, stipulation, privileges, responsibility, and so on. It is used in biblical context in various ways. Like we said, there's a way it is used in political situation in which we are talking about treaties. It is used in social setting in which we talk about long life, friendship, or marriages. So these are some of the things that actually help us to understand this concept of covenant. So when you understand this, you will then understand that covenantal relationship can be expressed by many idioms. So there are some words we use to describe relationship that help us to understand that this is a covenant relationship. Actually, words like peace, brotherhood, love, friendship, all these words are expression of covenant relationship. Peace, brotherhood, love, friendship they are actually covenant expressions, sisterhood. They are covenant expressions. So we need to understand then that covenant are not made and never function in a vacuum. Covenant are often within two parties, whether individuals or group, whether kingdoms or families. Covenants are never made in a vacuum. Covenant never function in a vacuum. It is a coming together of two parties, two or more parties, oftentimes two parties, whether individual or group. So the next time, by the grace of God, we are going to then move on into this question we kept asking ourselves. What are the basic elements of covenant? What are the basic elements of covenant? And if we can explore those basic elements of covenant, then we'll then ask ourselves, can we see these elements of covenant in the creation narrative story? Or can we explore briefly through a Bible story where we see this element that point our heart and our direction to the fact that covenant is being made? So what we have established today is that our God is a covenant God. The covenant originated with God. Relationships are protected by covenant. This is the importance of marriage. People said, what is the difference if two people love each other? What does a piece of paper mean? Number one, marriage is not a piece of paper. <laughs> marriage is a covenant, a covenant that is entered into between a man and a woman um, in the presence of their family. It's a covenant. 
And it makes all the difference because covenant protects that relationship. Covenant protects that relationship. The covenant is the constitution of that relationship. Marriage is not just a piece of paper. It's a covenant. And covenant is powerful. Covenant is powerful and covenant is essential to a relationship. And when we begin to enter into the elements of covenant, you will see why this is important. Now, where we read at the beginning, I've not made any comment on that. Where we read when we started, when we come back the next time, we are going to make comment. The Bible says that God entered into covenant with Abraham. Verse 17 says that God was willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel. He confirmed it by oath. God considered it necessary for him to give assurance to Abraham in this particular case, to give assurance to Abraham the immutability of his counsel. He confirmed it by oath because this is one of the things you do when you do covenant. And that is the same reason why we get into a marriage. If you are serious about your relationship with me as a man, as a woman, come and know my parent. Let's go to the order and make a covenant. If you're serious about giving me a job, then give me a contract. These things protect relationship. And this is what covenant is all about. And we are going to look a little bit more into this now. If you are listening to me tonight and you are not born again, you are not in covenant with God, but you can be because on that cross, the, a new covenant was made, ratified in the blood of Jesus. And you can come to Jesus tonight and confess that you need him because he is the powerful one. He is the absolute party in this covenant. And he, he, he has made a will that uh, that is being administered by the Holy Spirit because he has already died on that cross. But you have to be in that will. You have to enter into that covenant. And tonight you can. Just ask him to be your Lord and Savior and ask him to save you. And he will. He will take the heart of stone, heart of the devil out of you, give you his own nature. And he will walk with you, help you to grow in your, in, 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 your, in your experience, in your Christian experience. And when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Do you today because tomorrow may be too late. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.